0: Section 159 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 190. London, November 20th, 1753. My dear friend, two mails are now due from Holland, so that I have no letter from you to acknowledge. But that, you know, by long experience does not hinder my writing to you. I always receive your letters with pleasure, but I mean an endeavour that you should receive mine with some profit, preferring always your advantage to my own pleasure. If you find yourself well settled and naturalised at Mannheim, stay there some time, and do not leave a certain for an uncertain good. But if you think you shall be as well or better established at Munich, go there as soon as you please, and if disappointed you can always return to Mannheim. I mentioned in a former letter your passing the carnival at Berlin, which I think may be both useful and pleasing to you. However, do as you will, but let me know what you resolve. That king and that country have, and will have, so great a share in the affairs of Europe, that they are well worth being thoroughly known. Whether where you are now, or ever may be hereafter, you speak French, German, or English most, I earnestly recommend to you a particular attention to the propriety and elegance of your style. Employ the best words you can find in the language. Avoid cacophony, and make your periods as harmonious as you can. I need not, I am sure, tell you what you must often have felt, how much the elegance of diction adorns the best thoughts, and palliates the worst. In the house of commons it is almost everything, and indeed in every assembly, whether public or private. Words, which are the dress of thoughts, deserve surely more care than clothes, which are only the dress of the person and which, however, ought to have their share of attention. If you attend to your style in any one language, it will give you a habit of attending to it in every other, and if once you speak either French or German very elegantly, you will afterwards speak much the better English for it. I repeat it to you again, for at least the thousandth time. Exert your whole attention now in acquiring the ornamental parts of character. People know very little of the world and talk nonsense, When they talk of plainness and solidity unadorned, they will do in nothing. Mankind has been long out of a state of nature, and the golden age of native simplicity will never return. Whether for the better or the worse, no matter. But we are refined, and plain manners, plain dress, and plain diction would as little do in life as acorns, herbage, and the water of the neighboring spring would do at table. Some people are just come who interrupt me in the middle of my sermon, so good night. Letter 191. London, November 26, 1753. My dear friend, fine doings at Mannheim, if one may give credit to the weekly histories of Monsieur Rodrigue, the finest writer among the moderns, not only des chasses brillantes et nombreuses des apparats où les acteurs s'y si surpassent les jeux, les sens de l l a a e serenismes, célèbre, en grand gala but to crown the whole, M. Jucmantel is happily arrived, and M. Wottensblou hourly expected. I hope that you are par magna of all these delights, though, as Noel Bluff says, in the old bachelor, that rascally gazetteer takes no more notice of you than if you were not in the land of the living. I should think that he might at least have taken notice that, in these rejoicings, you appeared with a rejoicing, and not a gloomy countenance, and you distinguished yourself in that numerous and shining company, by your air, dress, address, and attentions. If this was the case, as I will both hope and suppose it was, I will, if you require it, have him written to, to do you justice in his next supplement. Seriously, I am very glad that you are whirled in that tourbillon of pleasure. They smooth, polish, and rub off rough corners. Perhaps, too, you have some particular collision, which is still more effectual." Chanat's history of the Palatinate was, I find, written originally in German, in which language, I suppose, it is that you have read it. But as I most humbly content myself with the French translation, Valyant has sent for it for me from Holland, so that I have not yet read it. While you are in the Palatinate, you do very well to read everything relative to it. You will do still better if you make that reading the foundation of your inquiries into the more minute circumstances and anecdotes of that country wherever you are in company with informed and knowing people. The ministers here, intimidated on the absurd and groundless clamors of the mob, have very weakly in my mind repealed, this session, the bill which they passed in the last for rendering Jews capable of being naturalized by subsequent acts of Parliament. The clamorers triumph, and will doubtless make further demands, which, if not granted, this piece of complacence will soon be forgotten." Nothing is truer in politics than this reflection of the Cardinal de Retz, que le peuple craint toujours quand on ne le craint pas, and consequently they grow unreasonable and insolent when they find that they are feared. Wise and honest governors will never, if they can help it, give the people just cause to complain, but then on the other they will firmly withstand groundless clamor besides that this noise against the Jew-bill proceeds from that narrow mob spirit of intoleration in religious and inhospitality in civil matters, both which all wise governments should oppose. The confusion in France increases daily, as, no doubt, you are informed where you are. There is an answer of the clergy to the remonstrances of the Parliament, lately published, which was sent me by the last post from France, and which I would have sent you, enclosed in this, were it not too bulky. Very probably you may see it at Mannheim, from the French minister. It is very well worth your reading, being most artfully and plausibly written, though founded upon false principles, the jus divinum of the clergy, and consequently their supremacy in all matters of faith and doctrine are asserted, both which I absolutely deny. Were these two points allowed, the clergy of any country whatsoever, they must necessarily govern that country absolutely everything being directly or indirectly relative to faith or doctrine and whoever is supposed to have the power of saving and damning souls to all eternity which power the clergy pretend to will be much more considered and better obeyed than any civil power that forms no pretensions beyond this world whereas in truth the clergy in every country are like all other subjects dependent upon the supreme legislative power and are appointed by that power under whatever restrictions and limitations it pleases, to keep up decency and decorum in the Church, just as constables are to keep peace in the parish. This Frau Paolo has clearly proved, even upon their own principles of the Old and New Testament, in his book De Beneficius, which I recommend to you to read with attention. It is short. Adieu. End of section 159. Read by Professor Heather